Bibles with you this morning, would you open them, please, to the third gospel, the gospel of Luke. This morning we're going to be looking at chapter 3, the title of the message, Preparing for the Light, the first of five messages in a series called The Lights of Christmas. Preparing for the Light. Luke chapter 3, we'll begin reading with verse 2. Dr. Luke writes to those of his day, he writes to us this morning, The word of God came unto John, John who was the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And John came unto all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And then in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus, speaking of himself, says, I am the light of the world. I am God, and I am the light of the world. Preparing the light. Now, let me give you a Christmas update, if I may, for those of you who depend on this every Sunday. We are 30 days away from Christmas. 30 days. And I know some of you have already started preparing, have you not? About seven of you are. But everybody eventually will. How do you prepare for Christmas 30 days out? Well, first of all, you start getting ready by marking your calendar. Because after all, you've got some things that you want to do. Do you not? I mean, you have some special things you want to do with your family. We have some special things going on here at your church. There's some special things going on at your work. There's some special things going on in the community. And all of us are making plans. We're getting ready to be part of those things. We've got our calendar out. We've got our magic markers, and we're circling them up, highlighting them. We're also getting ready for Christmas by making our shopping list. And going out and buying a few gifts. Maybe you've already done all your gift buying. Maybe you knocked it out on Black Friday. But that's getting ready for Christmas. Determining who's naughty and nice and who's getting a nice gift and who's getting no gift. And then we begin getting ready for Christmas by decorating. Decorating our houses with trees and with wreaths and with lights and those blow-up inflatables that go in your yard. 
We also plan for Christmas, prepare for Christmas by thinking about the days off we're going to take. Some of us store up all of our days for this holiday season so we won't be bothered by work because we got people to see and places to go and things to do. We don't have time for a time card. <laughs> we got fun, fun, fun. You see, we're all about getting ready for Christmas. All about preparing ourselves for Christmas. But let me ask you a question. And all of this getting ready for Christmas and all this preparing ourselves for Christmas... Are we getting ready for the Christ of Christmas? Are we preparing for the Jesus of Christmas? You see, we get caught up in the day. But Christmas is not about a day. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. What makes heaven heaven? Jesus. What makes church church? Jesus. What makes Christmas Christmas? Jesus. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in the secondary, we forget the primary. We get all wrapped up in Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty and Grinch and Ebenezer Scrooge and going here and going there and doing this and doing that that we forget about the very reason for the season. And that's Jesus. Can you imagine going to a birthday party and the person who's having the birthday is left out? <laughs> Can you imagine going to a football game and the two teams that are playing on the field are ignored? Can you imagine going to a prom and all of the focus of the prom is on the decorations, the band, the music, and the punch and you ignore your date? Can you imagine preparing for Christmas and all the things we got going on and Jesus is not part of it? In our verses that we just read, we're learning about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was supposed to be a religious priest. He opted out of that to become a prophet. He would have a church, he would have a message, and we're going to look at that in just a second. But John the Baptist came to prepare the world. John the Baptist came to ready the people for the coming of Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, 30 days out of Christmas, we need to get ready and prepared for the coming of Jesus. Because we're going to celebrate Him. It might be down here, it might be up there, but he's going to be celebrated. Three things I'd like to lay on your heart very quickly. As we think about preparing for the light 
and the light of the world is Jesus this Christmas season. First of all, in order to prepare for Christ, to get ready for Christ this Christmas, it's about where we go. It's about where we go. I want you to notice in verse 3 where John the Baptist is as he's announcing the coming of Jesus. It says in verse 3, He came into all the country about Jordan. He came into the desert that was around Judea. It says in verse 2, he was in the wilderness. As we are preparing for Christmas, the Christ of Christmas better said, where are we going to be going over the next 30 days? Yes? Walmart and Target. Okay. Yes, sir? Northwoods Mall, Citadel Mall, Tanger Mall, all the malls. Ace Hardware, Hobby Lobby, Harris Teeter, Publix. That's where we're going. That's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed about saying that's where you're going. Those places are not bad places. But when we're making out our list on where we're going for Christmas, should we not have something else on that list? Should we not have something else other than Walmart, Target, Harris Teeter, Publix, Ace Hardware, Hobby Lobby, Northwoods Mall, Citadel Mall, Tanger Mall? Should we not have church down there? Yeah, church. Last time I checked our calendar, we'll be open December 2nd, December 9th, December 16th, December 23rd, December 30th. We're having church, ladies and gentlemen. And if the focus of Christmas is Christ, where's not a better place to come to find him than in church? When the people wanted to find Jesus, the Bible said they came out to the wilderness. They came out to the desert. They came out to the desolate places in Judea to find John the Baptist because if they found John the Baptist, they're going to find Jesus. I told you that John was not a priest. He was a prophet. But I did tell you he had a church. You know where John's church was? Desert. Baptist Church. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Desert Baptist Church where John preached. And by the way, John preached several hours. That way you'll like my preaching a little bit better. And John was a broken record preacher. He was a one-hit wonder. You think I repeat myself? John repeated himself every single sermon. And sometimes five or six times in the same message. You know what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was a message of repentance, and I'll talk about that in a moment. 
But out in Desert Baptist Church, there wasn't no padded pews, ladies and gentlemen. There wasn't no place to sit down that was padded or lean back that was padded. There wasn't no place to sit, period. You stood up. There was no carpet. There was only dirt and grass and gravel. There was no air conditioning. Yeah, no air conditioning. The ladies, no, they couldn't do that because there was no bulletins passed out. <laughs> no air conditioning at Desert Baptist Church. It was hot. If it rained, it was human. If it didn't rain, it was dry. Dry heat or wet heat, but you got heat. There was no audio-visuals to entertain anybody. They didn't have a sound room and a light room. They didn't have a place where you could put smoke out, where the music could thud, where you could watch the TV screen. They didn't have any of that. When you went out to Desert Baptist Church, all you saw was the preacher. That was it. There was no music minister. There was no choir. There was John the Baptist. And he preached a message on repentance in the church that God placed him in, and the people came. They came by the tens, they came by the hundreds, they came by the thousands, they came by the tens of thousands. But they came to the church that they could hear about the one who was coming, and they could get ready. John's ministry was all about getting people ready. Because if the kingdom's coming, the king is coming with it. You better be ready. Can I ask you a question? Is church a part of your Christmas this year? Or are you going to make reasons and excuses why it can't be? I got family coming in, Pastor. Fine, bring your family to church. You say they won't come, then let them stay home and you come. <laughs> now, preacher, you going from preaching to meddling. <laughs> We've got to be here. That's fine. Come to church first. But we'll arrive late. Not if you come here at 830, you won't. You see, folks, make church a part of this Christmas. Because con coming here, you're going to learn something about how to get ready and how to be prepared for the day that's coming, but it's not the day, it's the person who's coming. But let's move on. As we get ready for Christmas, it's about where we're going. People in John's day, it was coming to John's church out in the desert. For us, it's coming to our church. And by the way, if you travel and you're going to be out of town, you can go to another church, can't you? Make sure you're in church. The Bible has something to say about church. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 
Don't miss an opportunity to come together as one in Christ and worship, especially when you see the day of his coming approaching. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming soon? Then if you believe that, you'll be in church not less but more. Not infrequently, but as often as you can. I can't figure out if churches believe that Jesus is coming again, why they would want to cancel services. You ought to really be adding services, the truth be known. But secondly, to prepare for Christmas, it's not only about where we're going, but it's about what we're doing. John's message was repentance. That's a forgotten word in today's church, but it's an important word. Most of us understand the word faith. Faith is trusting Christ Jesus, putting our hopes of eternal salvation, our hopes of heaven, on Him, on Him completely believing that he fully, freely, and forever will save whosoever will call upon his name. It's turning to Jesus. But if you're turning to Jesus, faith, you have to turn from something else, do you not? And that's called sin. The word repentance that John preached meant to have a change of mind about sin to have a change of heart about sin, to have a change of talking about sin, to have a change of acting towards sin, to have a change of lifestyle towards sin. John put faith and repentance together. If you're going to turn to the Jesus who's coming, if he's going to be your king and you're going to be part of his kingdom, then you have to turn away from something. And that turning away from something is called repentance, a turning away from sin. Now, John believed that if you're going to talk the talk about repentance, you need to walk the walk. Talk is cheap. So John's message on repentance included practical ways to show that repentance and how you live. Right? Notice with me in verse 10 and 11, John addresses the people. Now remember, they came by the thousands to hear John preach. And then after he was through preaching, they had a Q&A. Wouldn't that be nice if we did that every Sunday? When I'm through, then we have a Q&A, you all ask questions. And Keith answers the questions and I get out. <laughs> well, John preached for two hours. And when he got through, he threw it open, an invitation, if you will. And the invitation was questions and answers. And some people wanted to say, John, we understand what you're saying about repentance. We understand that it's a turning from sin and a turning to Christ. We understand what repentance is. We understand what faith is. But, 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 but John, tell us how it practically works out. 
Verse 10 and 11, John answers the people. Notice in verse 10, they say, What shall we do then about repentance? And John says unto them, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has food, let him do likewise. John says, If you truly repent, you will no longer be selfish, but you'll be generous with the goodness and grace of God that he's given to you with others. And John used an example of that. If you've got two coats, you don't need two coats. Give one of those coats to somebody who does not have a coat. If you've got food, you don't need to be a glutton. You don't need to have so much food on the table that it rots. You have to throw it away because you can't eat it all. Share that food with somebody who's hungry. That's repentance, says John. It's not just talking about it, but it's actually showing that you have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of lifestyle concerning what God has given you. Repent from being stingy. Turn to generosity. That's a sign that what you got's real. And then he talks in verse 12 and 13 to the tax collectors. It says in verse 12, then also came the publicans, the tax collectors. They wanted to be baptized. And they said, John, what shall we do? You're talking about repentance, John. What do we got to do? And verse 13, he said to them, if you want to have repentance in your life, if you want to prove to me that you mean business, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. The tax collectors in that day were given an amount by Rome that they had to collect for each person. Whatever more they could squeeze out of the people was theirs. Case in point, tax collector comes to your pastor, says, Pastor, the Roman government insisted that you pay $250 tax. I'm charging you $1,000, Pastor. $750 is going to me. I'll pay the $250 to them. That's gouging. That's highway robbery. That's crooked with a capital C. That's stealing without a gun. But that's what the tax collectors did. That's why they were so despised. They had the Roman government to back them up, and they could charge you whatever they wanted to charge you after they got what Rome wanted out of you. And John says to them, if you are a tax collector and you're telling me that you are repenting, then what you need to do is leave your cheating and become honest. Leave your selfishness and become generous. Leave your cheating and become honest. Don't be gouging people just because you can do it. Be right, be fair. Be honest with your dealings. And that shows you've repented. And then another group came to him, the soldiers in verse 14. Keep your Bible, look at the verse soldiers. And they asked John, what, what shall we do? How, do how, how can we show our repentance? How can we show that we have trusted in this one you call a king and this kingdom that's coming? How can we show you that we have truly put our faith in the Jesus, the Messiah, Who's coming? 
And John said, well, you've got to repent of your sin. I can't see your faith. That's invisible. But I can see your repentance. That is visible. And if you mean what you're saying, you're not going to be selfish. You'll be generous. You're not going to be dishonest. You'll be honest. And if you're a soldier, verse 14, notice what you'll do. You'll do violence to no man, neither accuse anyone falsely, and you'll be content with your wages. The soldiers of Rome were the police force of that day. They not only were military, but they were police. It was their job to keep order in society. And the soldiers didn't get much money. So they would abuse the people. They would antagonize the people. They'd take it out on the people, their frustration about their low wages. And sometimes they would even fleece the people, shake the people down, and take their money for pretenses that weren't true so they could put it in their own pocket. Can you imagine walking down the street? A Roman soldier comes up to you and says, Stop there a minute. Pull out your, all the money you got. You pull out $30, $40. He says, Where'd you get that? I just got paid. I don't believe you get that much for being paid. I bet you're a bootlegger. I bet you're a drug runner. I bet you're a prostitute. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Give me that money. That's what they do. You try to oppose them. Remember, they had all power. They do what they want to do. So John says, listen, if you want telling me you're going to put your faith in the king, if you're telling me you're going to be part of his kingdom, if that's what you're telling me, you need to quit violating the people and treat them with virtue. Now, once again, anybody can talk about my faith. But the proof of the pudding is in your repentance, what people can see. A salvation that produces no change is no salvation. We're very heavy on the faith aspect. We're very weak on the repentance. We're very big on getting people to say the prayer. We're very weak on telling them that if you're going to say the prayer and put your faith in Christ, you need to leave your sin. And that's the plight of the modern church. We don't talk about sin with anybody because it's offensive when we don't want to run them off. So if they want to be a drunkard, that's fine. We're not going to say nothing about it. If they want to shoot up the juice, that's fine. We're not going to say nothing about it. If they want to sleep around, we're not going to say nothing about it. If they want to be a party animal, we're not going to say nothing about it. They want to lie, cheat, and steal, dance to hoochie coo, we're not going to say anything about it. Said, Pastor, what in the world's the hoochie coo? <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. <laughs> Repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, we in the Baptist church are the worst ones of all about it. All we try to do is get people to say that prayer. Like there's magic in that prayer. If I can just get my son to say that prayer, oh, I got him. 
I just, got to, I just got to get her to say the prayer. I just got to get somebody to say the prayer. Preachers, you just got to get them to say the prayer so we can put a you know, check on our little belt. We got them. It's not about saying the prayer. Christmas is not about a day. It's a person. And salvation is not about a prayer. It's a person whose name is Jesus. And placing your faith in Him and Him alone, as you turn from a life of wickedness, you turn to Him for a life of holiness. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody who says they're saved and their life isn't changed. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. His mind thinks differently. His eyes see differently. His mouth talks differently. His heart feels differently. He lives a different life. He's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we are godly and we're moving in that direction. That's why we have created terms that allow us to have a salvation without change. It seems like we live in a day when all you got to do is put Christian on something and that makes it Christian. I'm a Christian drunk. I'm a Christian addict. I'm a Christian adulteress. I'm a Christian party girl. I'm a Christian cursor. I'm a Christian liar. I'm a Christian cheat. I'm a Christian thief. I'm a Christian thug. I'm a Christian punk. Somehow if we put Christian on it, that justifies what we do because after all, we did put our faith in Christ. We did say the prayer and we are going to heaven even if we backslid. You know, once saved, always saved, Pastor. Once saved, always saved if you're really saved. John's message was repent. Turn from a sinful way of life to a holy way of life. Turn from the world to the person of Jesus. Leave the kingdom of this world to enter the kingdom of God. And by the way, John's message wasn't popular then. And it's not popular today. But John wasn't called to preach to draw crowds. He was was called to preach Christ and lift him up. So as we get ready for Christmas, as we get ready for Christ, it's about where we're going. I hope it's church. It's about what we're going to do. And I hope it's repent of sin in our lives. And then thirdly, in verse 15 and 16, we see, Preparing for Christ, preparing for Christmas is not just about where we go and what we do. It's about what's important to us. Verse 15 and 16. There was a little controversy among the crowd because John the Baptist sounded like the Messiah. He acted like the Messiah. Many people thought he was the Messiah that maybe John is the king he's talking about. Maybe his kingdom is the kingdom he's talking about. Maybe John is Jesus. 
Well, notice in verse 15, John lays out the rest. He says, As the people were in expectation, and all the men wondered in their hearts of me, speaking of John, whether he was the Christ or not, in verse 16, he answered them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is on the way, and the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John's message was important. He said, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's never been about me, John said. I'm just one of many. The one who's coming is the one and only. I'm just part of the team. The one who's coming's the ticket. I'm just on the show. He's the headliner. And his name is Jesus. I've come to prepare you for him. I've come to get you ready for him. That's what I've come to do. What should we be doing this Christmas? Coming to church? Absolutely. Repenting of our sin? Absolutely. And taking the spotlight off ourselves and putting it on who? Help me out. Say that again. Put it on who? Jesus. Jesus. It's not about you and I. How many presents we're going to get? It's about Jesus. Quite frankly, I don't know why we should get any presents. It's his birthday. <laughs> but we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But our job this Christmas is to take the, the focus off us and Santa Claus and, and, and Scrooge and Grinch and Rudolph and Frosty and all the other characters that are okay, they're okay. And make sure that we keep it on the baby in the manger who became a Savior on a cross, who now is the Lord of glory, and He's coming again as King, and His kingdom is coming with Him. I heard a story about a little boy who was getting ready for his church's Christmas play. And he come home and he was all excited. He said, Mom, let me tell you, I got the best part in the play. And his mother said, calm down, son. <laughs> Are you going to be Joseph? He said, no, ma'am, better than that. She said, are you going to be the shepherd? He said, no, ma'am, better than the shepherd. She said, well, you must be a wise man. He said, no, ma'am, I'm not even going to be a wise man. It's better than all that. And the mother said, well, who in the world are you going to be? He said, I'm going to be the star. I get to hold the light up. And I bring the shepherds to Jesus. And I bring the wise men to Jesus. Mom, I'm the star. I'm the light that shines on him. Ladies and gentlemen, may that be who we are this Christmas. May we be the lights that shine on Jesus. That the world in darkness can see the light of the world. And embrace him. 
come to church? Absolutely. That gets you ready for Christmas. Live a holy life, a life of faith and repentance. That gets you ready for Christmas. Make sure you have a genuine salvation. My friends, I love y'all. I can't think of anything more tragic than to be in heaven looking for you one day and you're not there because you trusted in a prayer and never trusted in Christ. You said you had a salvation that saved your soul, but it never changed your life. And you perished. It's one thing to die and not go to heaven sitting in a stool at a bar. But it's entirely another thing to die and not go to heaven sitting in a church pew just like this. Trusting in a religion. Trusting in a prayer. Trusting in some other form of nonsense. And not Jesus himself. And may we share Jesus this Christmas. The greatest gift you and I can give anybody is to shine the light of Jesus so they can see. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.